1: One of the things about Bloom is he's put, I'm not saying he's put too much emphasis on the farm system because he never can put too much emphasis on the farm system in terms of you want to keep stacking up that group because not only do you continue to get prospects, but then you can trade those prospects for major league players. My issue with Bloom is I feel like there was a lack of attention to the big league club at times. And that's one thing that just cannot happen. You cannot have a lack of attention to the big league club, especially one... Of this stature. It's not like he went to a place that needed a complete rebuild. Like, hypothetically, when Theo, not hypothetically, this actually happened. I don't know why I said hypothetically. When Theo Epstein went to the Chicago Cubs, that team needed to be blown up. They needed to completely rebuild their farm system. And remember, Theo would draft Schwarber. He would draft Chris Bryant. He made the trade for Anthony Rizzo. So he went in there to rebuild, get young talent, etc. So you needed to do that, right? And Theo Epstein basically came out and said it. It was basically the Philadelphia 76ers process. You needed to do that because the Chicago Cubs, when Theo Epstein went there, did not have a lot of talent whatsoever. Remember, their, like, number one trade piece at the deadline that year was Jeff Samarja. So they had no talent on that team whatsoever. It was not good at the major league level, and it was not good at the minor league level, and they needed a guy like Theo Epstein to come in, rebuild the farm system, and then when it got to the point where... The Major League team was good enough with these young players. He would go out there and he would make moves for Major League players, the Jake Arrieta's of the world. Remember, he signed John Lester, the guy that he drafted here. He signed John Lester. And eventually, they would win a World Series, et cetera. They were contenders for four to five years. But once it got to the point where this team was competitive enough, that that team being the Chicago Cubs, Theo Epstein went with it, adding pieces to the Major League team. This is where I don't understand the Bloom philosophy here. He came here... And the Red Sox were coming off a down 19, but I never felt like 19 was a complete overhaul of the roster was necessary, so to speak, or that they needed a complete rebuild. Quite frankly, I think that the ownership group overreacted with Dave Dombrowski being fired. Dave Dombrowski, he won the division three consecutive seasons, and then you decided to move on from him. When it felt like he was neutered at the trading deadline and he wasn't allowed to make additional moves. Remember, he kept trying to tell us that, hey, nobody else has 100 miles an hour coming out of the bullpen like Nate Aldi, And Nate Aldi never had profiled as a reliever in the past. They tried to force him into being a reliever. It just didn't make any sense to me whatsoever, right? So when I add all these things up in terms of the Bloom situation compared to what Theo did, they're two totally different things. Theo needed to build stuff up. When I look at Heim Bloom, he didn't have to do that. He had Xander. He had Rafael Devers. He had JD Martinez. So there needed to be more of an emphasis on the big league club, and I just feel like they didn't do enough when it comes to that. And I look at all the moves he's made recently, and they all point to not helping the major league club. And I think we also have to look at this and acknowledge the fact that quite frankly, one of the things that Bloom had been advertised as is you would think that, okay, Bloom must be good at building up bullpens, right? That's sort of what he did in Tampa Bay. And ever really since he took over this organization, wouldn't you say the bullpens have been subpar? That's what it feels like to me, and the numbers would bear that out. If you just look at Dave Dombrowski's bullpens and you compare them to Bloom's bullpens, it's not even close, and Hein Bloom, this is supposed to be the one thing he's really good at. Oh, he can find relievers. Well, I'll tell you the secret what Hein Bloom does with relievers. He just looks to see what the horizontal break is on your slider. You got good horizontal break on the slider, come on down. But if you look at the Red Sox pen from 16 to 19, 375 ERA during the Dabrowski era, that was sixth. 448 ERA during the Bloom era, 23rd. 230 opponent's batting average during the Dabrowski era, fifth. 248 in the bloom era 27th whip 129 with Dave D 10th 142 with bloom 27th strikeout rate fourth with Dombrowski 26% 24.7% with bloom 11th you look at war third with Dave D 19th with Heim bloom meltdowns tied for the most with bloom seventh fewest. With Dave Dombrowski. So my point is this. What Dave Dombrowski did is he said, okay, I need a top-tier reliever. He actually legitimately said I need to get a closer. So he went out and he got Craig Kimbrel. And look, we can all go over what happened in 2018 as it pertains to Kimbrell. He was not good in that postseason run. I would acknowledge that. But basically, you got one of the best closers in the game, best relief pitchers in general, for a three-year period. Because Dave Dombrowski realized, okay, I need a major league closer. And with High and Bloom, it just feels like the guy that was supposed to be good at building bullpens, he doesn't identify the right guys. Now, once in a while, he'll hit on a guy that is under the radar, and he's referenced multiple times. He said on the Greg Hill Show a couple of weeks ago that when he was asked about the Schwarber situation and not having Schwarber here, he said it hurts him more when he misses on under-the-radar guys. So it's great that he can hit on a guy like John Schreiber. They obviously saw something in him that nobody else did because the most innings he had ever pitched at the big league level was 15 and two-thirds. So that's a great find by Bloom. But you need to supplement those moves on the periphery, those moves on the margins, with actual big league talent. They can't all be diamonds of the rough, right? They can't all be under-the-radar guys. And when he finally goes out and he looks for a guy that is not under the radar, it's Jake Diekman. And when you look at Jake Diekman, the problem with Diekman, and this is what I'll never understand about Bloom, is it feels like, or maybe this is the answer, it felt like the signing of Walkman, Jake Walkman, was basically, well, it's a value contract right now, right? Because even though it ended up being a horrible contract, if you look at Diekman's numbers last year in Oakland, he was not particularly good. Opponents' batting average was the worst it's been in a while. His whip was the worst it's been in a while, and the contact was not good, right? The ground ball rate went way down. He was at 61.5% back in 2020, now a short season, but it went to 34.8% the season after that. It was at 47.3% in 19. It was at 59.1% in 17, 47.8% in 2018. and the past couple of years, it really dipped off 34.8% last year. And now 36.5% last uh, this season before, of course, he went over to the Chicago White Sox. So what they saw in Deekman is, hey, this is a guy that he has nasty stuff. We get him here. We'll figure it out. Well, the problem was he actually got worse when the Red Sox brought him here. At the time of the trade, he had the highest walk rate of any reliever in the sport, right? So when you look at this and you look at a guy like Diekman, why was he here? Because he had a nasty slider, because he had a lot of horizontal break on the slider, and because he was going to come a little bit cheaper than a lot of these other relievers because he was coming off a bad season. So that's almost a Belichickian approach. By looking at all these guys and saying, hey, they they aren't seeing what we see. He does that way too often. Instead of every once in a while, it's okay to just say, hey, I'm going to get a major league star. Just like Dombrowski said, I'm trading for Chris Sale. I'm trading for Craig Kimbrell. I'm going after known commodities at the major league level. And quite frankly to me, there hasn't been enough of that with Bloom. Even a guy like Hunter Renfro, who hit 30 bombs for the Red Sox last season, that's a guy that was not some known commodity. Now, Bloom had familiarity with him in Tampa, but he goes to San Diego. It's not like he was this known star. The only really known star that he signed has been Trevor Story or traded for. Like, the Schwarber situation is even different because – All you gave up was Aldo Ramirez because Schwarber was dealing with an injury at that particular point in time. So when you just add up all those pieces, it's just the emphasis on the big league club, that hasn't been priority number one. And that's what irritates me. I'm okay with them trying to rebuild everything as it pertains to the farm system, but you can do both things. Like, for example, just look at it in this way. In the offseason, what did the Red Sox do with the rotation? They signed Michael Walker, who was hurt, and he's always hurt, And they signed Rich Hill, who is pushing 70, right? Those are the two guys that go after, because those are value plays. You're not paying Walker a lot of money. You're not paying Rich Hill a lot of money. Instead of saying, well, hold on. We can get Carlos Rodon on a two-year $40 million contract, who has a high upside, was top five in strikeout rate last year for qualified starters, That makes a lot more sense for us than going after Waka and going after Rich Hill. Now, I'm not telling you Waka's been horrible. He's actually been pretty good when he's been out there, but that's the problem. He's always injured. Carlos Rodon is a guy that's, yes, he's had some injury history, but Waka over the past five seasons has not been close to the pitcher that Carlos Rodon has. And just think about this team right now with a starter like Carlos Rodon, considering all the injuries— that this rotation has sort of dealt with. And that's why I keep saying the big league club is incomplete because think about all the rookies and some of its injuries, but you shouldn't have to bring up all these rookies to pitch, especially now. Bayo's looked better his past couple of times out. Unfortunately, he dealt with the injury today, the groin strain. So we'll see how long Bayo's going to be out of the equation, if you will. But if you look at the Bayo situation, he was never going to come up to the big league team this year at that point. Now, maybe he comes up late in the season. But the reason he had to come up here was due to all the injuries. If you built a better starting rotation at the beginning of the season, this would not have been a problem. And the same thing can be said about the bullpen. That's sort of my most, or I should say that's the thing that irritates me the most about the deadline. So basically, you were more buyers than you were sellers, but you didn't address your biggest need. Your biggest need at the trading deadline. Oh, well, you did, I should say that. I take that back. You got a first baseman. That was definitely your biggest need. That was a glaring weakness. But the other big thing is, you needed a bullpen arm. And you didn't come away with a bullpen arm. Because clearly right now, you're at least half going for it with this group. By not trading Nate and not trading JD, etc. So you're sort of going for it with this group. And if you were going to do that, it would have behooved the Red Sox to get a legitimate reliever. They didn't do enough in the offseason with the bullpen. And they're surely not doing enough right now. Now, maybe their hope is they can move guys around. Maybe Hill goes into the bullpen instead of being the opener for Bayo. Maybe that's what they try to figure out this way. Maybe Waka ends up being a bulk guy. Maybe Winkowski goes into the bullpen. Whatever they try to figure out. But instead of going out there and getting a proven reliever that you know is going to be good. All this other stuff, you're going to try to figure out. Once in a while, it's okay to do something that other teams have done in the past. And I feel like with High and Bloom... It's always about being cute, and that doesn't always work. TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports.
0: That clock at four. Donchich. The step
1: back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here. On TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. Oh, oh, oh,
0: O'Reilly. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See Store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, oh. O'Reilly. Auto Parts. Here. After investing billions to light up our network, T-Mobile is America's largest 5G network. Plus, right now, you can switch, keep your phone, and we'll pay it off up to $800. See how you can save on every plan versus Verizon and AT&T at T-Mobile.com America acrossamerica.